bastard. Hi, hey, how about this? So, hey. how about this? So, how about this? I wonder if I'll ever learn the name of my show. It would be nice if you did. I mean, is nice the same thing as necessary? Mm, no, but it should be. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I'm Alan Dempsey. And I am Rafiq Shaheen, and with us is the talented writer known as... My name's Clark Brooks. Hey! Hey! You know, not once have we ever warned the guests that they are introducing themselves. Yeah, we just themselves. went. We just, that was kind of We're exciting. We're sitting in an apartment on a single microphone using a laptop slash tablet to record this. I don't think anything about this has been premeditated or planned or uh, is in any way professional. Yeah, but... They don't know that. <laughs> they didn't know that. They didn't well, know right. that, yeah. <laughs> Word will get out. Mr. Brooks, how are you, sir? I'm good, Mr. Dempsey. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Uh, you, you making with the yuck yucks on stage? Yeah, I'm. Uh, my next big thing, I don't know how that's going to relate to the timing of the release of this, I'm going to Fort Myers uh, next weekend with uh, to feature for Nick Griffin. Nice. So uh, that's probably my biggest gig of my uh, so-called career at this point. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. So, are you... He just introduced you as a writer. Do you consider yourself primarily a... Yeah. Is that, like, your day job? Yeah, well, not even a day job, but I've been writing a lot longer than I've been doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I always say writer, comedian, when yeah. people ask, so... But, so, I... I go with writer for you because like not only do I think you, like your writing writing is fantastic I think the way you write your jokes is amazing oh, because thanks. you write actual jokes yeah you know like the, I, I don't know you've been off stage for a while Alan, it's been a while like even before you left like it was a big thing with people where it's like you sit in an open mic and you're watching someone on stage and yeah. you're like tell a joke Give me a setup, give me a punchline, maybe give me a heel turn at some point, like a misdirection, that'd be great. But instead, like, you're sitting through and listening to people's, like, therapy sessions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're, des- you're describing my act. That's <laughs> <laughs> what happens. I used to, like, I don't know that I ever wrote anything out. Oh, really? really? No, I would, um... I'd get my idea, and then I would just, like, pace around my apartment with, like, a comb as my microphone, yeah. and just, I'd figure out the rhythm of the language, and, you know, that's kind of how I would memorize it, was just in terms of, you know, say dick, not cock, whatever, you right, know, right. just say shit, not poop, or sometimes right. say shoot, not, you know, right, and you just kind of, but you also kind of build around the music of it. There's a rhythm and yeah. yeah. Right. And that was kinda how I would remember them was just by the language of it, the music of it, the word choice, and then um the beautiful thing about doing it that way was on stage you can yeah. you know, you can do a little two step and go, Oh, you know what? I bet if I speed this part up or or I just have a whole new thought that I can sure. drop in the middle and you know. Yeah, like a like a crazy homeless person. Like, <laughs> yeah, like a crazy man screaming on the side of the road. Well, my origin story—I've told this before, other places—but uh, I, I stand up was a bucket list thing for me, mm. and it was always like I'll do it one time, tell everybody I did it, and then never do it again. And I had written some what I thought were funny one-liners on Twitter, and I just printed some out and said, "I'm just going to go up there. I'll read these things. I'll sit down. I'll never do it again." Mm-hmm. 
and I went to it was Jeff's open mic at the um, the double decker. Oh man! Yeah. So your first open mic experience was a fucking one-two punch. Yep. <laughs> but the thing was, uh, even though I had come in there with a plan to just totally half-ass it, I saw that there were people there that took it way more seriously, mm. and I thought, well, what I was planning to do is downright disrespectful to. Mm. The craft, as well as the people working on it, even the people who aren't good at it, are still putting. Right. So I trashed that plan. I went away and came back two weeks later with stuff I'd actually written as jokes. That's a like, so. No pun intended, but that's a real stand-up way to. <laughs> Whoa. No, because it's like how many people like how many people get up on stage and they just don't give a flying fuck well, about I'm a the fan. idea. I mean, I was always a fan, so I didn't want to be disrespectful in any way. I mean, mm. I grew up with Letterman and uh, you know watching. Even before that, when I was a little kid, watching Carson, and uh, so I always had a respect for stand-up. So I didn't want to go up there and like, you know, poop on it. How much do you, uh, purse me, since I was so kind of conversational? Yeah, I could not even rewrite on stage, but you know, just in the shower, you say it out loud, and you come up with a whole new. There's the joke. Right. I thought the joke was here, but if you're more precise and writing shit out like where's your room for is there room for well, that kind of stuff it, it does handicap me a little bit sometimes if I write something down and it's a structured mm-hmm. beginning middle end thing and if I go up and it doesn't work uh, hearing it out loud just even more so than hearing it in the shower hearing it in a, a space with, oh, with yeah. an audience and it comes back to you and like okay that's not yeah, yeah. that's not going to work but there's still something there and then you go away and you and like you, you can almost tell the weaknesses when you hear it out loud, you know, and you're like, okay, I'm saying this, it's not landing, but I know why it's not landing, and then you go away and, and restructure it. I heard somebody, uh, I think it was Tom Papa was talking about this recently with somebody of, like, there there's, like, a class of comic who are just tinkerers, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, you write a joke, and then you perform it, and then you go, like, okay, let me take this thing back. And you could sit in my little hole, and I'm gonna change this word, and I'm gonna change this sound effect. Yeah, you know, and that now I'm gonna right, and now I'm gonna re-release well, yeah, I mean, this. when I would tell jokes, like if I pulled the kazoo out too early, it would not, <laughs> you know, or like if I played with my suspenders yeah. too quickly, or, you yeah. can't find your slide whistle. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that was that was a rough set when I didn't have my <laughs> slide whistle with me. Well, so, my wacky sunglasses. <laughs> so much of my stuff, though, comes from actual interactions with people. Yes. So even though I am writing it, it's and it does. If it doesn't work written, it's like, well, it's still a funny situation. Right. So that still exists, and I can go back into the root material. I never understood the. I did it for God eight years before I kind of called it quits. I don't like to say I called it quits, even though I. You just say hiatus. Every, every, hiatus. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A yeah, it's a permanent hiatus. Yeah, it's a permanent hiatus. It's an Eddie Murphy hiatus. Uh, yeah. I uh, I never could figure out the alchemy of like the number of times I came up with something in the car on the way over. Yeah. It annihilated. And then right. I had too much confidence in it. Yeah. And I couldn't get a grin out of it right. ever again. Right. Not like... Yeah. Yes. Oh, I perfected it. Like, no, I did it once. It did well once. Yeah. Or stuff that used to do well started to peter off. And I was like, I guess I'm done with that one. And then you kind of go, all right, tonight I'll dust it off and see what happens. Yeah. It lands again. Right. So it's landed twice. Yeah. And now it'll... Ne- I, I never could... And I don't know if there's a... Does it make you think maybe what was the other stuff around it 
maybe that helped that. <clears throat> sure. I almost wonder if it had to do with how much I believed in it. Oh, that's true. Mm. You know, if yeah. I and and that's so like woo woo because there's no how's the audience yeah. know if I believe in it? I, I right. can act it out, you know. But it was like if I thought of it on the way over. Yeah. I was like this is fresh in my mind. I think it's funny. Yeah. It's something that's cooking. And then if I do it again, it's like I got this shit. And right. I just try to like I try to cool guy that's my way through it and just yeah. like nothing. See, huh. my my problem has always been like the lack of confidence <clears throat> in it. I because like you know, you guys know me. I'm already fucking neurotic as hell. But like the, I always did well the less confident I was. See, for me, it's... it's <laughs> that all, was always my experience. Well, there's the, something to be said about the, the adrenaline that comes from that. Sure. The energy, you know. Well, for me, the whole thing is, like, the more confident I get, the less I'm thinking during the set. Mm-hmm. Like, the the hero nights. The nights where you you go, I've knocked this out of the park. Sure. I pointed in the stands the yeah. second time around. Knocked that one out of the park, too. Right? Those are the nights where I have absolutely no thought as to what I'm saying on stage. And I'm just going. Because those are the moments where somebody shout, you know, you're telling the joke like you've told it before. It's working because you're like, it's supposed to work. It will work. And then someone will say something and instead of thinking of like, oh, what do I say to them? You know, I'm just able to fire off the hip. And, you know, someone will be like, you suck. And I'm just like, yeah, your mama's tits. Anyway, and then, like, just keep on moving. So getting out of your head. Yeah. Yeah. As far as anxiety and nervousness goes, I'm coming up on five full years, which isn't a lot of time. But still, every single time from open mic to actual show, there is never an event where I'm not, like, I could get in my car right now and go home. Oh, yeah. Every... Everything you know, even the most low risk open mic to like an actual sold out show somewhere. Right. If I happen to be on that, I used to uh, early on. I finally got out of this, but for the first let's say year, I wouldn't even listen to the other comics. I would yeah. literally go outside and walk in circles, yeah, and do the whole thing, and then I'd do the whole thing again. Mm-hmm. I I had done it to myself, yeah, fifteen times before they called my oh, name. Yeah, you know. Yeah. See, I learned to do that uh, before I even left the house. I do it in, in the house. I do it in the car. I do it, like Alan said, at the at the venue. There was a time, speaking of Nick, Nick Griffin, I was open for him at Sidesplitter, and we were sitting on that back bench by the sound booth. Yeah. And uh, somebody came up to us after the show and said, I would have come up and said something sooner, but you guys both look so miserable. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we kind of were at that point. It's so, so, comedy is such a weird thing, because like people don't realize but like you really as much as you're having fun like tracy morgan put it best like it is like going into a fight yeah so it's like you are kind of actively miserable getting ready to be like all right i'm gonna come out and i'm gonna i'm, I'm the best i'm gonna rope a dope the audience and then you get up there and you're like oh fuck i wasn't ready for this moment at all i like, cannot <laughs> think of his name and i feel terrible because i considered the guy a friend I, he hasn't been around here in years but I want to say Chris something shit. I'm a bad Gorgeous guy. Gorgeous heist. No. Uh, anyway. Madsen. No. Uh, I don't know you ever. I, he may not have ever been around when you oh, started. During, um, during my generation. But he uh, <laughs> he described doing stand-up as a slow boxing match. 
where it's yeah, like sense. you do a real slow uppercut and then they they counter with something else and yeah. you got a real slow block and then you gotta you know come in with that's a, a pretty great analogy yeah. Yeah. so it's a uh, Wachowski brothers <laughs> yeah it's bullet time right. you'll get people who aren't comics and they'll come up and tell you like oh I could never do that I think you're so brave oh I hate that but, so and I, much but I get what they're saying it's not the same bravery as a, a firefighter rushing into a building right. but it does take a certain amount of uh cockiness I guess rather than bravery it, like I'm going to stand on a stage by myself in front of strangers and I'm going to make them laugh it's like it, it is very I wouldn't see I, I hate the term bravery in there too courage because, maybe not bravery right that's a yeah. better word because like to me I go this is inherently narcissistic totally but isn't it weird that it's like I don't even know how to I almost want to say self-hating narcissism it's like the the number of comedians that don't care, like they hate themselves, yeah, and they have low opinions of themselves. But it's like, well, why do you think I want to hear what you have yeah, to say? Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's that whole a... thing of like, I'm a piece of shit. Anyway, this is what I think. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of that is people adapting that persona because they think that's part of it, and like, oh, I'm an outcast, and like, you know. Well, I know, I but I know there are some people that truly hate themselves. It but. was like depression and weirdness that made me start doing comedy really because i was like i would go to parties but again self-hating narcissism yeah right i could be in a room and i had one friend in particular i was hung out with who had to be the complete center of everything that was happening yeah and i would just hang back and let it happen but i would always have that guy like i used to be the guy that could entertain the whole dinner table yeah and i've got really interesting shit to right. say right, right. now yeah. But no one wants to hear it because he took his pants off again. You know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. it was like, I was dealing with that on one side, and I was lonely and depressed, and I started watching all this stuff about comedy and a bunch of comedians talking about how they have depression, and and I thought, like, I think I kind of have to do this. Yeah. And sure enough, it was like, it was a pressure valve. Like, I went, Psh, oh, finally. It's, it's, the number of times I would, like, have a... Therapy experience on Monday uh -huh. and be talking about that thing that happened in the therapist's office on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. You know, make and just like, and there was this weird, like, making people laugh at me somehow made me feel less alone. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. whatever it was I was dealing with. Yeah. I so much that. of my early comedy came from my pain and my weirdness and my relationships. And then. When I kind of stopped hyper-focusing on that, I kind of didn't know what to do with comedy anymore. Right, it was right. like, I was talking about toothpaste and shit, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it was, it, I thought it was a great toothpaste joke. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it landed, you know? I, I've met a lot more of the self-hating narcissist types as writers than I have comedians. Mm. Really? Yeah, a lot of writers are very gloomy and, and like, uh, they want to be in the dark and not be seen and like they scribble out their stuff and like <laughs> see, way more of that in writers than they, they talk about how the government's trying to kill them yeah them. oh yeah yeah <laughs> a lot of good stuff yeah uh, some of them are real though because I was listening to uh, someone talk about um Old Man of the Sea, who wrote that what are, Hemingway what is Hemingway he was telling the life story of Hemingway it's like Hemingway like worked for the KGB thought the FBI was after a because the FBI was after him because he worked for the KGB. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, maybe it's not always false. Maybe yeah. every once in a while, like... Every once in a while. 
That dude sitting in the dark going like, ah, oh, Clark Brooks doesn't understand the FBI's act. He's <laughs> like, Clark's yeah. like, oh, whatever. And like the FBI are listening next to him. He's like, oh, good. He doesn't believe us. <laughs> I have a friend who's a, a musician, and sometimes we compare notes, and he's mm. in a band. And we compare the, the, you know, if you're in a band, you're sharing the experience. Yes. And if something goes wrong, you can blame the drummer. You got five you know? guys up there you can. Right? Yeah. But by the same token, if, if it goes great, you got to share that with all five guys. Mm, Whereas if I'm up there by myself, that's all mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I used to compare, when I was 16, 17, I was in a metal band. Yeah. And I used to, so I start regularly doing comedy, and I realize, like, first of all, the terror factor is higher because it's yeah. just you. Right. If... I'm not doing well as the guitarist or the vocalist or the drummer. If I'm off that night, mm -hmm. there's four other people on stage, man. Right. I'm, I'm, I can hide. I can hide. Yeah. You know, I can yeah. hide. When you're, and then the other thing I noticed was like, all right, you're in a band and you're fourth. If the other three bands suck, yeah. it's loud music. Right. I can yell with my friend in the back, and we, you know, everybody in the place is yelling and talking and having a good time. Yeah. If it's, if I'm tenth. At open mic, yeah, and the other nine are like first timers. Mm -hmm. It's I want to kill myself. Right. Like, this is yeah. I don't want to listen to another right. one of these people talk. You yeah, know? yeah. You, you know what's almost worse for me though is like when you get when you're tenth on that list and the other nine people have bombed, so everyone is talking, and then you get up there and you do your set. Just well enough that there's silence, <laughs> but not like not laughter. At least not conversation, right? Yeah. But everyone's like, "Oh, we're listening." One mm, of the that was a joke. That was that was a string of words you said, and you're like, "Oh, a lot of no." Coffee shops. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of the most uh, liberating. So the whole thing of rehearsing to yourself over and over and over again, yeah, and having like I'm doing these seven things, and these are the seven things I'm doing. One of the I'm sure I've, Rafiq's heard me tell this a hundred times, but one of the most liberating nights I ever had. It was a long open mic. Mm -hmm. There were musicians, there were comedians, mm -hmm. there were like uh, open. Uh, what are they fucking called? Poets. 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 Spoken word. Spoken word is what I was yeah. trying to think. Of. Jugglers. Yeah. <laughs> there were no jugglers, <laughs> and I was near the end, uh -huh. and everybody was tired. Everybody was hanging in there. Yeah. But everybody was tired. I was tired. We had seen a million different people. And something in me just went like, you know, I, I was panicking about my seven things I had to do. Yeah. And I spent the first three minutes fucking around and getting the audience to just like. Unclench. Well, not uncl unclench, but also kind of re engage. reset, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. was the word. I started by making fun of the host. Because it had gone on so long, she was like on stage with all the performers. So she would stand up, present the next performer, and then like sit down. And on it, stage. On stage. Oh, it was wow. a weird concept that didn't really work. And then, obviously. And then it got to the point where even she wasn't even standing up anymore because she was so tired. <laughs> so, I mean, my first words were, let's hear it for so-and-so. She's working real hard for you tonight, isn't she? Yeah. You know, and I busted the balls of, like, the two guys. There were two other guys. There was this, like, motivational poet guy right. who was completely full of shit. I made fun of him. 
there was a guy who was like playing guitar behind his head. I was like, hey, check it out. I can do comedy behind my head. And I, I like put the mic behind my head next to my mouth. Like, what's the deal with shoelaces, right? You know? And I spent three minutes just doing that. Yeah. And then I got into my act and everybody was okay with it. And I had, and I was telling another comic about it. I was like, I'd never had that experience before where I just winged it and just yeah. kind of, and he said something. He said, dude, those five minutes are yours. Right. Yeah. And I had never... If he had told me that when I first started, it wouldn't have made sense. Right. After that night, I knew exactly what that yeah. meant. Like, no, yeah, those five minutes are mine. Yeah. And I can... And that's your only guarantee. In this <clears throat> right. Racket. Right. There's a, a There was a young comic, he's still doing it, but he was at Cafe A one night, and he was struggling, and he just ejected after two minutes. Yeah. And I told him, I said, dude... You're not promised pay. You're not promised, you know, any kind of fame or thing. The only thing you're guaranteed is when you show up at something like this and they give you time. Yeah. Don't ever surrender that. Even <laughs> right. if you suck, get up and just do your stuff, man. Because that's all you have. Well, that's the best for it, though. Yeah. I mean, you got to punch a bag. Right. And you got to you gotta eat a yeah, lot of dick. Right. And if you're not doing it now, you're going to you gotta make it up again some other time, some other place. So, And e- even when you get to a professional level... You are not even necessarily guaranteed that time. Right. 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 Yeah. Like if you go up in front of an audience and you eat a dick, they <laughs> might just pull you off. They might just sandman you off stage. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. I've seen that happen once and it was not comfortable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they made a guy quit. They, the feature was doing, he was asking rhetorical questions for every joke and it started turning into a conversation, which turned into side conversations and stuff. Oh, have and, you ever noticed? Yeah, that you guys the, ever and bought and it turned and, and so the guy, the host, went up to tell somebody like, "Hey, you guys need to quiet down." He's like, "He's talking to us," and he's like, and they came over and he said, "Get him off there, get him off there, and send somebody else off." Wow! He's like, Whoa! I've never seen yeah. that before. <laughs> so. I I uh, I used I did okay. My you know obviously your first two three times you're terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I I had got to where I was doing consistently okay. And then I had one of those, out of nowhere, I'd only been doing it like four or five months. I had one of those amazing, like I had the room by the balls. Yeah. Comics that I was intimidated to talk to were like patting me on the back, right. telling me, and I was like, and instead of going, wow, thank you, I, that made me want to hide even more. I was like, oh my God, he just yeah. told me I did a good job. Right. I don't know how to deal with that. Now you I got to do it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I actually had this thought, like, I did so well that I need to do really badly now. Right. And no kidding, the next time I went up, it was probably the exact same set. Yeah. Nothing. But that's good, though. Nothing. Yeah. Yes, it was great. And if I'm eating shit, that's just as much fun for me as killing. Because I'm just like, hey, let's do this. I've talked to Rafik about this. Like, I don't know how anybody in this ever gets a big head because it's so (laughs) designed to humble you all the time. All the time. Yeah, we did... Uh, You'll ride off that one night, though, for months. Yes, yeah. right. But we did... Uh, Tampa News Force did a show at the Improv, and we all did really well, and there was a pretty good crowd there. And two days later, we were at Pokies in front of six people. And it's like, it's right. impossible to get a giant ego in this business, <laughs> right. which yeah. is great, though. Yeah, I mean, you, you'll have a room with 300 people yeah. coming up to you after a show, being like, oh, dude, you're amazing. Like, what you do is so brave. Oh, can I just suck your dick? And then the next night, some guy's like, man... What a queer! <laughs> just like man, yeah. What makes you terrible? Think you should do this, right? And the thing is, either way, if it's bad or if it's good, by the time you get in your car, it's over, right? You know, it's there's not even like a lingering haze that you can walk around. Like if you're a baseball player, you hit three home runs, 
it's going to be in the paper the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. It's going to be on YouTube and stuff. Comedy, it's over as soon as people stop laughing and leave. It's, right, that's, right, right, It's right. done. One time my sister-in-law was referencing something, and she was like, well, I heard someone say one time, da, da, and I was like, yeah, you heard me say that on yeah. stage. <laughs> that, was, that was the night you came to yeah. see me. I told that joke. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good to have that lasting effect. Yeah. yeah. That, that's how I can for. always tell when I think someone's got, like, a quality bit, is when you're talking to somebody in normal conversation, just, like, some civilian, and then you're, like... Civilian. Yeah, that, that's how I've always viewed them. No, I I'm it. like, if you're... There are comics, and then there are civilians. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's that moment where it's, like, you don't do it, but it's, like, you talking to someone about, like, their day in traffic or, like, yeah. a basketball team, and then your brain just kicks over to, you know, like, oh, J.B. Ball has, like, like yeah. a brilliant right, rant right, about right, basketball. Right. Yeah. You know? Every single time I hear I'm in a conversation and somebody says that there is a male that they know who is bisexual, I think of that Paul bit, bit Paul Voigt bit uh-huh. about being a male bisexual. Uh-huh. It is so on the nose and so fucking funny yeah. That I will tell people. He says this, this, and this, and every time I say that, they go, "Oh yeah, that's so true." Yeah, and they right. laugh. Yeah, and I'm not even trying to like do it in his right. cadence. His right. I'm just yeah. saying like the premise. I'm not trying yeah. to do his. You know, I just go. He says this. He says that. And he says that, and they laugh and they yeah. go, "God damn, that's true." Yeah. See, for me, I always tried to uh, because I, I feel the better thing to do, just out of respect for people. Is like when I have that moment, I go, you know who you need to listen to, to go Google a guy named John Jacobs. Well, yeah, but right? I mean, if you're talking about a guy who isn't John Jacobs and doesn't have YouTube videos, you have to go. Yeah, that's yeah. you have to go. My buddy who does comedy has a bit. Usually, even then, I mean? usually, usually, like I've told people about Clark before. I'm just like, really? hey man, if you ever get a chance, there's a dude <laughs> in Tampa named Clark who's got this great bit about being like an older guy taking photos of a younger girl or whatever. You Whoa! Yeah, I do he, he, you have a lot of experience with this bit. <laughs> One time, it was a true story. So another true life thing yeah. that turned into a bit instantly. But yeah, well, it's like the, the so like the the people who were the day shift at the casino are mostly older. Mm-hmm. Right, and like a lot of the patrons are mostly older too. So like, there's a lot of moments where you have like an older couple who are just sitting around. They're like, "I want to take a photo of you know me and the waitress. Would you take our photo?" You know, and so you're watching like a fifty-six-year-old dude take a photo of 56 like fifty-six isn't that old. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like taking a photo with the dude who's like ninety and oh, his okay. wife, and like the serving girl who's like twenty-three. Yeah, all those girls are beautiful. Right. And so, you know, again, that thing has got, popped up in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, my buddy Clark's got this great bit. You should Google him. Got a great bit about, you know, The whatever. bit is uh, uh, Lauren. You know Lauren Lance? Maybe. She does comedy and she does music. And she was doing music at a bar and I happened to run into her. And she asked if I would take pictures of her performing. Because who doesn't want pictures <laughs> right. taken? Sure. So I'm doing I think that. I know where this is going. And she's like 23 and really attractive. And uh, as I'm doing this, another equally attractive young girl comes up and goes, are you her father? <laughs> so I'm like, well, I am now. Because the alternative is I'm just a creepy old dude taking pictures of pretty girls. No, here's what you do. You lean in and you yeah. go, no, I'm her daddy. <laughs> well, that's the punchline. Like, oh, yeah. is it really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, hey. her, I'm her daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I hit the punchline. So, right yeah, you get the punchline. Yeah. Yay, because I'm a, a creep. Game show. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a real life creep. I'm not a fake 
Comedy creep. And when she came off stage, I said, yeah, here's the pictures I, I took and sent to you. And uh, also, this is now a bit. So, <laughs> yeah. so this happened. <laughs> yeah. Taking it. Yeah. Using it. Yeah. I saw uh, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. Oh, right, right. I saw an interview with him. And I didn't understand a word of this. He, he says that, you know, because they're Iron Maiden. They, they yeah. play in huge stadiums. Yeah, stadiums. Yeah. Bazillions of people. Yeah. And he said, when it's going well and everything's working, you can take that entire stadium and put it right on the end of your thumb. Yeah. That it's just everything. I'm not even going to elaborate. That's what he right, said. Right. You can take the entire stadium, put it on the end. And I was like, I, I don't know what the hell that means yeah. until I had my first hero night at the improv. Right. And I was like, I know exactly oh, what Dickinson is talking about now. Yeah. There's a zillion people. I wouldn't say it wasn't Iron Maiden numbers, but it was a room. It was an improv room full Most of people. Most of them don't know each other. <laughs> right. No, they don't they know each other. They all come from different places. <clears throat> they don't know me. Yeah. I don't know them. And but, you're uniting them in yeah. a common... Yeah. And I, I, I absolutely understood that phrase. It's yeah. awesome. At that, right yeah. on the end of your thumb. I like to watch uh, music videos of uh, live music performances with big crowds, and I like to watch the crowd shots mm-hmm. because there's any any crowd shot you can make out 20, 30 faces of people who don't know each other who are all having the same experience, and I'm like, that's that's the goal, really. That you're. That I'm I saw uh, there's a clip. It's like a famous clip if you know the band Corn, who I'm not yeah. a huge I'm not a huge fan of them, sure. but they're huge. Yeah, and they're playing like at a festival. It's just a sea of people. Yeah. And uh, the are you ready? When it gets to are you ready, the whole crowd is jumping. Uh-huh. But here's the weird part. The whole crowd. It's a million, bazillion people. They're jumping in a wave. Oh, wow. So the beat is bop, 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 right? But yeah. the people in front are landing while the people behind them are jumping. The people behind them wait for them to land. So then I started thinking, is there like a sound wave thing happening here? Yeah. Are the people in front hearing it first? So they're jumping on the... Because it was so big. Right. Yeah. But it was so big. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it possible that you're thinking about up and down sound wave? And like, am I actually watching the crowd <laughs> reenact the sound yeah. wave as it's spreading wow. out? It was really cool. If you if you get the chance, Rhapsody has that great shot of uh, the uh, Live Aid performance from Freddie, mm-hmm. where he he's just going. Boy, talk about up, talk about up, up. yeah, right. Yeah. And you're you're watching like the whole yeah. whole sea of people just like go off on the riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's right. great. There's a video from a Green Day concert where they're playing some big festival, and it's before they go on, and there's a stationary camera behind the band setup, and they're playing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody as like pre music, mm-hmm. and everyone in the crowd is singing oh, the wow. song, right. and the the part where they're exchanging the high and low parts during the operatic thing. Uh-huh. There's certain people that are doing that, and there's certain people oh, doing the wow. high and some people doing the deep parts, and as if like, they coordinated. Yes, yeah, so if they coordinated, but they they don't know each other. You That's know? It just works out organically, and it's it's awesome. And of course, when the headbanging part starts, everybody's yeah. jumping up. Oh yeah, Mike Myers and, fucked yeah. up that song oh, until totally. the yeah. end of time. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I I think he fucked up the song. I can give you that, but I think he uh, really captured that moment of like. The thing you want is for you and your friends to be in the car, and that song yeah. comes out. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, that's a shared experience for <clears throat> sure. So we're about thirty-one minutes in. Um, it's time for our running segment, and that segment is called 
<clears throat> What's making you miserable this week, Rafiq? <laughs> so. <laughs> By the way, I think I've said this every time. You have. It never ceases to entertain me how he doesn't have to work at all to <laughs> access <laughs> an answer <laughs> to this question. That's uh, great and frightening at the same time. Yeah. Oh, because I'm just constantly miserable. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's just okay. how I live my life. He's a comedian. I don't know if you know that. That's right. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, so this week, I, I, I was actually going to say, this week, I don't necessarily know if it's been making me miserable, but it has been on my mind of that thing of, like, the difference between profitable art and good art. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Because, like, they, they came out... I know you don't really care about it, but, like, they came out with the whole Spider-Man, Sony, Disney thing, oh, right. right? And to me, it was just a reminder of, like, big corporations or just corporations in general don't care if the art's good or bad they're just like what are the numbers on this thing right even though disney was like hey we we took your spider spider-man which had just been sucking balls up until this point and we made him a thing because we added him into the mcu and we wrote it the same way we wrote all the other mcu movies right how about like a 50-50 share of the profits or whatever? And somebody's like, no, our money. Right. And it's like... Can't, if like, you're Sony, though, can you blame them? What have they put out that's been good right. in 25 years? They put out Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Wasn't that Marvel MCU? No. That, that, that was all them. Okay. That's okay. all Sony that wrote that one. Fair enough. Right? And, but, and that's the thing. Like... Sony did that, and then, like, Venom did, like, the numbers did well for Venom, but Venom sucked. It's a terrible, it's a trashy fucking movie. And it's like, I have no idea, and again, it's like, it's that thing of, like, this movie's not good, but because it sold well, right? It's a fucking McDonald's of movies. I think I'm gonna, uh, like, try to alleviate, I don't normally give you therapy when we do this segment. (laughs) But, uh, What'd be the fun in that? <laughs> Why make it feel better? Yeah, I think you're gonna have to quit thinking that big budget superhero movies have ever been art. I think maybe that's where I, you're fucking up. I, I'm not. It blows my mind when people get like mad about. Oh, they just did that to make money. Like, yeah, they sure did. <laughs> they made a Wonder Woman movie to make money. Who to thunk it? <laughs> but, but I'm not just talking about this, you asshole. Like I'm, I'm talking about like in general. How many times have you seen like? It, how many times have you just seen an actor be in a terrible, shitty fucking movie, even though you've also seen them in like a fantastic, like artistic experience? Well, you, like a, a Bill Murray <laughs> or a Bruce Willis will do. Some stupid, shitty, yeah. loud action movie or a dumb comedy, and then but then they get to go off and do a dozen Anderson. art house things, yeah, right. yeah, that don't maybe make a profit at all. I, right, and, I don't blame them for that though. I mean, you got to pay the bills. I mean, I guess you got to. I'm not. My whole thing has never been like blaming the actor. It's just like at a certain point in time, studios go, we don't care whether or not you're creating good product. We just need they you don't. to put up. Right, we just need you to put out. They're, a they're not called writers and directors; they're called producers. <laughs> yeah, it's the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I first of all, I feel like you're living in a 
halcyon day of like what movies used to be and they haven't been that way in at least 10 years where there used to be a time there used to be a time when you were a film studio and you were like well i hope we can make some good movies and i hope we can make some money so you call this guy named wes craven and you go you got anything and he goes well i got this idea about this guy who kills you in your dreams and they go all right just fucking give it a shot then it makes a million bazillion dollars, and then they make a bunch of shitty, terrible sequels. So, I mean, now we're living in a time where you are buying the sequel right. when they're right. shooting yeah. the first one. Yeah. Because Nightmare on Elm Street is already profitable. Planet of the Apes is already a well-recognized whatever, yeah. you know? <clears throat> also, so. look at all the moving parts that you track. You have to, it has to be something that's going to sell in an American box office, mm-hmm. hopefully, have Second Life as a rental or a streaming, mm-hmm. something that's going to do well overseas, and then there's the merchandising. Right. Can we get toys out of this? Can we get you know backpacks or whatever else that we can sell to? See, but at least like I don't know. Maybe it's just because of like when I was a kid, I remember because when I used to watch, even as a kid, when I used to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I was like, yay, action figures! Like yeah. I knew that you guys were trying to sell me merch. I got it, and I was like, that's fine. Because then I would go off of my parents, and we'd watch a movie where it's like, this is art, enjoy the art, you know, for being art. Right. And, you know, when you go and you watch your Saturday morning cartoon, you knew that wasn't art. But now... But I think there's also... But there's also this, the again, the generational... There's the people who laid the foundation, and then there's the people who chased the trend. Right? Yeah. So the guys who made the original cartoon were writers who gave a fuck. Yeah. Who wanted to make a good cartoon. You know, and then eventually it became this self-perpetuating money machine. And then there was some hack writer that, you know, would just... It was the guy you knew because your sister-in-law knew the fucking, you know, whatever. Right. And now he's the writer and nobody involved gives any degree of a fuck. And that's how you get Michael Bay making TMNT movies. Well, I'm old enough to remember, and I was a little kid when this happened. So, but when Jaws was in theaters, mm-hmm. big box office was in the theaters for months, all summer long. There were no Happy Meal toys. Right. There was no, you know, not even maybe a T-shirt or something you get. And then his buddy George came along just a couple years later and changed that whole game forever. But even because then... Because what can you not find with a Star Wars logo or character on it now? Buy, buy the Star Wars cup. Buy the <laughs> Star Wars t-shirt. Buy yeah. the Star Wars dildo. Yeah. I think, but I think even then... I, I'm being a little generous. But even then, there was a purity to it. Yeah, I think so Because too. it was like... It just hit for some Oh, time. and by the way... Right. The toy companies are calling. Right. Kenner seems to be a decent t- company... We'll give them the opportunity. Right, and now all that stuff's laid out well and right. well and right. beforehand. And, and that's yeah. the thing is, I I go, I want that purity again. I want someone to well cre- uh, to create a movie <laughs> because the movie's worth making, and then someone to be like, "Holy shit, let's get a toy line together." The Avengers toys were in McDonald's Happy Meals before the last movie came out. <clears throat> right, right. So I mean, that's it's all calculated. It's all laid out. In a boardroom somewhere with whiteboards and, you know. and... And that sucks, though, because, I don't know, for me, it just means, like, 
It's like everything else nowadays. It's a where, where it's like nobody has any passion for what they're doing. Everyone's just sort of showing up to work, going, Ugh, I fucking hate this. Right. And yet we're all yes. just going like, well, I guess that's how it is. I. This is a long, circuitous... Circuitous. I made that word up. That's no, a good word. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a good word. I like it. Um, <laughs> like a friend of mine who used to work at this company, and they had to deal with Warner, and then now he works somewhere else. That a place we've mentioned a few times. Um, he, uh, you know, when he had to work with Warner, it, I mean, it's it's when you're talking baseball, mm-hmm. and you talk about the owner, mm-hmm. and you got the, the guy who owns the. Uh, Albuquerque Seahawks, he hates baseball. Mm. Part of that is your opinion based on what you've observed. Right. But also, you might actually know a guy that knows that guy. That's kind of where he is with Warner Brothers. It's partly his opinion, but also he actually physically dealt with a lot of these people. And it's very clear that the people at Warner Brothers fucking hate superheroes, fucking hate comic books, fucking hate comic book movies. But they can't deny... Right. what's happening over at Marvel. So they're trying to chase the trend. They fucked it up real bad. And then eventually... You'll notice that the ones that people dislike the most are the ones that Warner Brothers was mostly involved in. Like, Warner Brothers didn't give a shit about Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. That's why Wonder Woman was really good. Because they left it alone. Shazam was left alone. Shazam's the best one they've released yet. Yeah. You know, and there, there's well, Batman versus Superman. Batman versus Superman. Why'd was, you say that name? Was the one yes. that they were all in on, yeah. and it was fucking dog shit. For all we know, the people at Popeyes don't even like chicken sandwiches. Wouldn't that be heartbreak? Right? But they got to put them out there. So. When, the the vegetarian who works at Popeyes. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor girl. I remember way back in 1983, I was reading for no good reason. I was reading a copy of Billboard magazine. And there were several articles and ads saying, get ready for Whitney Houston. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was like, and so when she hit just a little while later, like, wow, the people in the industry knew this was coming and, and they already had it laid out. So <sighs> I really think things really changed. I think Star Wars changed the game in everything in entertainment. See, and but that's, again, when Alan's talking about the innocence, right, I go, yay, bring that back. What I don't want is I don't, is like, I I love you Disney's know, general model for things because Disney's general model is we don't know this thing, we don't care about this thing. Alan, you love biker mice from Mars. Here's a big right. sack of money. Get it done. But yeah, like, Disney's not doing that if they don't sense that there's a return, though. Correct. They're not sending anybody out there just to make art. Yeah, but, but I mean, like I, I at think, least they're more willing. I think yeah. what you want, though, it's not... It's not the Back to the Future anymore. When we were kids, it was Back to the Future was the purity thing. Mm. Yeah. But the purity thing now is like Jordan Peele is a known name. Right. Yeah. yeah. He knows enough people that he can con them into making a movie. Turns out to be one of the best horror movies ever fucking made. Yeah. Right. And now he's like the it horror director. You know, that stuff. Tarantino squeaked through when he first came around. Right. Tarantino. Like, nobody, yeah. It, so I heard this on NPR recently because they were talking about Tarantino and the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it's like there was an era where it was the director as God. Yeah, Scorsese right? and mm. Coppola. And you don't have that anymore. 
You don't have, you know, Scorsese, Coppola. You do, though. You, they're, they're, they're few and far between, and they're not... I, I know what you're saying, and I agree with you. They're, we don't have the Lucases and the Spielbergs and the whatever. But we do have the Peels. We do have the Tarantinos. We do have the Eli... As bad as Eli Roth has become, and Rob Zombie, as bad as he has become... Those guys are still there. There's still a few yeah. people who can call up a studio and say, I want to make a yeah, movie. And as, I, as opposed to vice versa. Right. I'm yeah. Rob Zombie and I want to make my Rob yeah. Zombie movie. He's going to get it made. Yeah. You know? Right. All right, uh, Clark. I think it's her. Oh, I was going to say... Uh, oh, last thing on that topic before I forget. I, uh, I'm 40. I had some friends who were about five years younger than me. And I was telling them this and you could see them like... You can see their eyes, and you can see them like leaning in, like, wow. I was telling them, like, you guys don't really know what it was like when I was a kid. And we saw Back to the Future 2, and at the end of Back to the Future 2, there was a trailer for Back to the mm-hmm. Future 3. That had never been done before. I'm getting goosebumps right now yeah. talking about it. Like, that was fucking mind-blowing. That you realized as you were sitting there, oh shit, they made both movies at the same time, and they're ready to release this one next year. It's not going to come out four years from now. It's done. Right. It's ready to go. That was alien. Closest thing to that, and still different though, was probably Empire Strikes Back, where you knew they had to. I was, I'm, I'm too young yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, but you knew watching that, like, well, that that's not how it ends. See, well, when you got, but the, you guys are both older than me, so. The issue for me, where I'm at, is I came in just at the end point that I glimpsed your era, right? But I wasn't a part of your era. You so, saw it happen, yeah. right? It's like it, it, I saw Nero, and I was like, "Rome's a pretty good." Oh fuck, it's on fire! <laughs> like, <laughs> why did why Nero? Right. He was an ass. All right. Enough of this. Uh, let's get to the really important uh, right. part of this podcast. Let's ruin some friendships. Let's ruin some friendships. <laughs> oh boy, uh, Clark, we have a—I like to call him a mascot for this for okay. this podcast. He's a guy we've referenced on almost every episode. Um, I'm going to pass this along. Okay. We're going to try to keep this part brief. We do this every episode, right. and this could—I'm sure the people who are the millions of our loyal followers right. don't want to listen to this too much. But okay. I'm just going to. Let's just give me your reaction to what you're holding, and if you want to read, right. you know, the title. If you want to talk about the man, yeah. Well, while you mull that over, I want to say we're sponsored by Sony and Warner Brothers, <laughs> yeah, so. and Marvel and Disney, right? So you know. Well, the first thing I thought when I looked at it was Vegas. Uh, yes, it's very mm-hmm. Vegas. It's very show busy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Can I, can I read the caption? Yeah, go yeah. for it. I don't want to limit what you're saying. I just okay. want to make sure we don't make it 15 minutes. Ed, the machine regime. <laughs> uh-huh. Right off the bat, I know he made that nickname up for himself. <laughs> Do you think he did? And that's always... Nobody comes up with, you know what? You're the machine. <laughs> Not him. No, you go, I'm the machine. Yeah. Tells 100 of the funniest jokes he's ever heard. Uh-huh. Not that he's ever written. Correct. Not that... So, um, yeah, I think this is going to be really cheesy. Uh, and the, the showbiz photo with the, the caps and the, and the, he's the silver fox going on. And, um, uh-huh. 
Yeah, he's got a 23-year-old girlfriend in a Corvette. Uh, I don't think he does. You know? we've done a little... The machine a, doesn't have a girlfriend? We we haven't done a heavy digging on him, but we've done enough digging to know that I think I knew who he was when I saw this. Yeah. And I think I was right. If this guy represented comedy, I wouldn't do comedy. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would say. Go ahead, go ahead and open it on up. See what okay. you... Uh, let's see if you have any uh, reactions to what you see on the inside. Okay, it's an autographed CD. <laughs> Alan... Make them laugh, not make, it's make M with a, because, you know, your friends, yeah, obviously. Uh-huh. Signed, Ed Regine. Oh, wow. There's, and then there's a track listing of all 100, he stopped at exactly 100 jokes. Would it uh, surprise you at all to find out that none of those tracks actually represent the joke on that track number? Well, that actually is kind of funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> if I go in and I want to pull up track 12, Pope. Yeah. And then I wind up getting track 45, Girls' Night Out. That's exactly... You got me, Ed. That you is exactly me. the experience. Um, this is clearly self-published. Uh-huh. Uh, he <laughs> got the uh, parental advisory clip art. Uh-huh. He from, sure did. From an NWA album, probably. <laughs> and put that on there. I love that. I love the idea that Ed listens uh, to NWA. Oh, he doesn't listen, but he knows that they say bad things on there. So that's what he went looking for. He calls them N-words with attitudes right. when he's yeah. talking about yeah, them. Yeah, totally. He says N-words with attitudes. Are there any song, are there any jokes about N-words in here? Is oh, no. Um, we'll give you, you know, the again, trying to keep it brief because we've done this. Clyde like, is dead. That might be about black people. <laughs> Just to give you a little brief... Uh, Anytime he does bring up ethnicities in the joke, it's completely irrelevant to the joke. I didn't oh, know. Okay. I need, didn't need to know the guy was Chinese. It didn't right. help. Right. Um, so there's a Chinese guy <laughs> and a Doberman policeman. Mm, anyway, a house is on fire. <laughs> what is he a local? <laughs> what? Uh, this was bought for me as a Christmas present, a sincere Christmas present. Oh, you know for, who liked this, Alan? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they saw him at a show. It's it's one of my family members who is a loving, wonderful person, and I've used this as fodder. <laughs> you listen to it all the way through? I've never listened to it all the way through. <laughs> what we do is there's no every, way it's not loaded with viruses. <laughs> every time we hear a new track on this it's we're hearing it for the first time oh, I see. Okay. so we're all reacting together so why don't you tell us what track number 21 is called 21 is called a round of golf this will not be about a round of golf all right so this little boy walks by his parents bedroom and he sees him having sex and he runs to his room and the mother goes in the room and says honey what did you see when you looked in our room well i saw you bouncing up and down on daddy and she said well honey I'm just trying to flatten him out. And he said, well, don't bother, Mom, because every day you leave for work, Mrs. Johnson next door comes over and blows him right back up. Oh! 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 oh that's a nasty one, Ed. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he don't, well, you know, it had a NWO parental factory sticker on it. Okay, now that I'm hearing Ed, uh, he's got the frilly tuxedo shirt. Oh, yeah. The jacket's on with the satin lapels, and uh, the tie is undone. Mm-hmm. Nah, nah. He might have a drink in one hand and a cigar in the other. <laughs> And he's got the snappy New York patter going on. Or is there anything the, about what you just heard that surprised you? Nothing. No, it's exactly <laughs> Nothing. what I expected. It's exactly what Especially you expected. Since you told me it wouldn't be about golf. Right. Yeah. And uh, he, he started with so. That's always good when somebody starts with so I'm doing this. And then the guy comes and then he... He's got a very uh, Don Rickles... 
He uh, would have been big at the, uh, the in the Catskills back in the fifties. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, the resorts that people, the Jewish families used to go to. Yeah, we we did find him on uh, the YouTubes, and he does have an act. He doesn't just do street jokes. Oh, good. Right. But his act is a. It's pretty much what you'd expect. I think this was bought for me on a cruise. I think I want to see some of his original stuff, and I'm going to do that when I leave. Because <laughs> well, you need it's pretty ballsy to put out an album of street jokes, though. <laughs> you, you, really? Well, you, you don't know Ed. You don't know Ed. <laughs> I don't know, know Ed yet. <laughs> you want, uh, I, I think you want to listen to him for inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was. I, you know, everything's a learning experience. <laughs> the worst gig I ever had, I got booked to, to headline at a, uh, a retirement home in Bradenton on a Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. I don't even, wow, I don't even know. Wow, that, that's emotionally yeah. exhausting. I don't even understand that. what you just said. And the activities director said, it's not, you know, it's the kind of place, you know, these people are active and they do stuff. So I pictured they, like, played volleyball and made bus trips to raise games and stuff. <laughs> and I get in there, and most of them are on rascal scooters yeah. and planted, and uh, they did not care for me at all. And um, when I got done, I went and sat down in the crowd because I didn't want to just leave, even though I wanted to just leave. <laughs> The activities director says, well, we still have a little time. Does anybody want to tell any jokes? And this old lady got up, and she told some street joke about little Johnny in school. A big fucking rat? Was it a big fucking rat? No, it was a very clean joke. Oh, okay. But the room exploded. Nice. And this other old lady turned around to me and goes, that's how it's done. (laughs) (laughs) And as miserable as it was, I couldn't wait to get back and tell all my comic friends. Like, oh, I got a story for you guys. So, yeah. Ed would have been huge. At this point, I like how that little old lady was like petty enough. Oh, to yeah. be like, I don't have much time left. You wasted some of it. Yeah. yeah. I had one guy roll out, he not walk out, he rolled out and scowled at me the whole time. And I remember remarking one time, I'm like, I'm not actually one of your grandchildren for you to be disappointed. Right. You realize that, right? They hated me. Oh my god. I do like the fact that grandma was seething with anger. Oh, yeah. And yeah. just couldn't wait couldn't for wait her Couldn't wait to rub moment. my face in it. Yeah, she was waiting for her moment to strike. Yeah. <laughs> Amateur hour, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But Ed would have killed. Ed would have absolutely had them eaten out of his street joke hands. Rafik, why don't you tell us what the number of track number 22 is? Uh, track number 22 would be Hiding in the Closet. Oh, I think we've heard hiding in the closet already. I think so. We kind of made a rule a while back that if we heard a joke that matched up with the title <laughs> that we won, we oh, didn't okay. have to do this anymore. But we just kept but doing it. you guys right, do this yeah. sequentially? Oh, yeah. We're yeah. doing oh, every okay. single one. All right. When okay. we've only gotten up to 22, All which right. means there's, what, 70, 78 <laughs> more to go. Oh, my God. There's 78 more to go. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Oh, fuck my oh, ass. You, you, you can, and you will. All right. This one is called... Hiding in the closet. Come on, machine. So this woman goes so. by the pet shop and sees a sign, Amazing Frog, for sale. So she goes in and says, what's up with the Amazing Frog? <laughs> and the guy says, well, I'm going to tell you right up front, lady, this frog gives the best oral sex ever. Oh, and God. I said, really? My God, how much is it? And she said, well, it's $1,000. And she said, well, I haven't been with a man for a while. She said, I'll take the frog. Everyone. She takes the frog home, Every time. gets undressed, lies in bed, puts the frog in front of her, right between her legs, and the frog <laughs> doesn't move a muscle. So she goes back to the pet store. She says, look, she said, this frog didn't do anything. I want my money back. He said, no. He said, you got to play some soft music or something. Get the frog in the mood. He said, in fact, let me come over there. You thought it was funny when you were in sixth grade, didn't you? Yeah. doing the right thing. I want this to be perfect for you. So she goes, all right. So they go back to the house, and the lady gets undressed, lays on the bed. 
and she puts the frog there and the frog doesn't move a muscle and the guy picks up the frog and he says okay look this is the last time I'm going to show you how to do this I have heard that joke before come on frog I don't get it he, this was his scam, the, getting paid to do, give oral sex to old right, ladies. A thousand bucks. The frog's so never going to give. So he can go and eat pussy, I guess. Teach the frog every time. This right. is not the first time I stopped paying attention halfway through <laughs> and oh. had the machine joke and don't understand what just happened. I'm glad you said that and that it wasn't just over your head. Right. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, every, every uh, joke... Just saps a piece of me. With there it. is a little. I'm a little less of a man. <laughs> I have to go get refueled. Right, like you got to go do, get in a fight and fuck a whore. Right, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. Do something. You're like, I'm gonna go throw axes and eat a steak. Like, all right. Let me ask you this question. Okay. Would you rather hear all 100 of Ed's funniest jokes he's ever heard, or would you rather hear 100 incidents of how black people are different than white people? Delivered Wait. by who? Yeah. It doesn't matter. That tr- that territory has been well trod. Here's the thing. I would almost certainly go with I'd rather hear Ed. I think I but, would too. Really? Yeah. Let me finish. But there's one exception. If it is the original. Okay, yeah. The if original, it is Chris Rock. Yes. Or Richard to, Pryor or right, something. That's yeah. what I thought you were going to say. Exactly. That's, no, that's where my imagination went. I, was I, like, I, oh, I get to watch a bunch of old Def Jam. Okay, right, because I go if it's one of the legends, one of the people yeah, that okay. started that. No, you're talking about a guy. Making I actually said a, a new guy who's just figured out that white people dance like this. Black <laughs> people dance like right. this. Okay, so if you're talking about like yeah. a comic from like in the Tampa Bay I, scene I doing think, it, I go. Fuck. I no. think I'd still rather hear a hundred black and whites because really? because. When I recognize one of these jokes, it is literally a joke I told my friends when <laughs> I was in the sixth grade. None of them are funny. No. A lot of there's them. There's no new territory to explore. There's no now. new territory. There's a lot of them don't make a lot of sense to me. Right. A lot of casual races. You just make uncomfortable white people laugh. <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah. So. No, the you hack- said a naughty word. The yeah. hackiest blacks are and whites are. There's still an observation in there that's probably still true. Right. Still somewhat relevant. Still kind of fresh. You know, the guy who, or girl, who's telling these jokes is probably going to have a cool rhythm in their voice, cool black guy sound and <laughs> voice. They're not going to sound like Ed. No. You know. So, so black people. <laughs> so that is a black guy. <laughs> I have a picture somewhere of me and JV Ball at an open mic, and we just listened to three of those comics do the black people, white people thing. Yeah. And he's so miserable looking. And I'm just full of glee because he's so unhappy. And I took the picture, and every once in a while I just sent it to him. Like, remember this night? <laughs> hey, did you know that we're not the same? <laughs> he's so unhappy in the picture, and it just makes uh, me laugh. I always have such a weird relationship to that because, like, I never want to do that bit. But, like, as someone who sits right in between both of those worlds, it's like, how much of this is is black people do this, white people do this, and how much of this is just well, I'm not, me? Well, I'm not saying that you can't point out differences and be funny and find new stuff. I'm saying specifically to go, yo, white people do yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. But that delivery like, and setup and everything is done to death. It's, you can absolutely find Oh, yeah, find no, no, the cadence. But I would say... 
being <clears throat> yes to Clark. Did you notice that white people walk like this and black people right, walk yeah. like that? Like, don't do that. The cadence is done. But that. you can point out differences that are funny. But I think, especially you, you've got an advantage where you can see, like, you could talk about the ways that people are racist. Yeah. White people are racist like this. Right. Black people are racist like this. Like, you can you can do they are different, but you can do it with a whole perspective that even the. Did I, did I tell you know you the th- Richard Pryors yeah. couldn't yeah. necessarily did, did, did do? Did I tell you, know? you the black shaming uh, premise I've been working on? No. So I was writing this one uh, like yesterday afternoon. Actually, was just the idea of uh, as somebody who sits between both worlds, you notice the moments where there are like black shaming, where it's like black people shame you for doing white things. Yeah. For example, liking cheese. Where it's like it's like oh you eating fancy cheese right now and you you with your mango ginger stilton acting all uppity all bougie and you're like it's good cheese man <laughs> there's memes that are starting to pop up that show one picture of a Popeye's drive-through with cars around the block and then the next picture is a parent-teacher conference, and it's an empty classroom. Oh, dear God. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, or black-owned business, and it's too, like a store That's harsh. Yeah. That's really harsh. I don't like it. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> white guilt. White guilt alert. Oh, I'm assuming Black Twitter came up with it, though. Yeah. So. What the hell is Black I, Twitter? Dude, I love Black Twitter. What Twitter's is it? Awesome. Black Twitter is basically... It's Twitter for black people. Yeah. Is yeah, it the, just I, Twitter? Yeah. It's just... Can I find Black Twitter on Twitter? Yeah. Or is yes, it a different yeah. website? Yes, you can find Black Twitter just on... So it's black called... Twitter users. So it's called people using Twitter? Yeah. Is that, <laughs> is that what Black what Twitter is. is? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, like, to a certain extent. I mean... It is essentially the community has gotten together and been like, look, this is this is just black people talking to black yeah, people yeah. right now. You can follow them, <laughs> like, and there's no problem. It's just you got to find them. Right. A couple of years ago, they were doing a meme on there where uh, who who are the white people that'd be invited to the big cookout? And they were oh, listing rules. There, there's, yeah, there's like rules, Tony man. Hawk was one. That he Tony Hawk got a pass. I think Larry Bird got a pass. Oh, Larry Bird gets a big pass. Yeah, but it wasn't a lot of them. But they were all they were all hysterical though. I'm gonna you know yeah look I'm gonna speak. Twitter. I'm going to speak for the black community here. Really? The Dempsey family is yeah. going to speak for uh-huh. the black community. Yeah. <laughs> I would say Harry Connick Jr. gets a pass. He was like trained by the New Orleans Oof. black guys. I have to go back and look. I don't know if you got Big assumptions for that. No, he was trained by the New Orleans black guys. Some white people were allowed in if they brought an appropriate dish. Okay, so there were levels of who he, could come but, to the cookout. So he's going to bring some real New Orleans yeah, gumbo. Yeah, he's going to bring some gumbo. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, he's yeah. going to bring some Nolans gumbo. Yeah, and it'll be all right. There were others that just got a straight pass, but some of them like, okay, if you know, <laughs> you know. yeah. Oh goodness! All right, we're at an hour. I all think right. we're good. This has been an excellent experience for me. Yeah, it's, I, uh, I've, it's been a learning experience. It's been a growing experience. Thanks for teaching me about Ed the Machine Regime. Uh, yeah. You're the first person who's ever thanked us <laughs> yeah. for introducing that into their lives. I'm hit YouTube as soon as they get home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next time you come on, we'll have to show you Bishop Bullwinkle with the bicycle. Oh, we Bishop Bullwinkle. Bishop Bullwinkle. He's, a, he's a piece of work. Yeah, we we want him here on the show. I want right. I I will need a decoder ring because I'm sure <laughs> I won't understand a word he says. Okay. <laughs> um, I am Alan Dempsey. 
And I'm Rafiq Shaheen. And before we go, Clark, is there any social media or anything like that you want to toss to the good folks? So you can find me on Facebook <laughs> and the Twitter and the Instagram. I was on Twitter long enough to actually get my original name, at Clark Brooks. So, okay, uh, nice. Yeah, I, I got it on the ground floor on Twitter. So. And what's your uh, Instagram? Uh, I think it's Clark Brooks fifty four. I was not so fast on the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. so, you were the, there's fifty three so, other Clark Brookses out there. Yeah, fuck those so, guys. somebody s- yeah. saw that you had the original Twitter account, and they're yeah, like, "Ah, like, fuck not, this!" Not this time. Fuck <laughs> those guys. I'm yeah. gonna make fifty three other accounts just to make sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Clark Brooks, thank you for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. It was fun. And uh, so, how about this? So how about this? So how about this? How about this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>